the daily grind, working a nine to five, nose on the old grindstone, it's a dog eat dog world. These are all slang terms used to describe modern day work and they don't sound very attractive, do they? Well, what if these phrases had work all wrong? What if working wasn't the death of us, but what can actually bring us fully to life? The dignity of work. That is the topic for today's conversation. And I am jazzed to dive into this. We've touched on it here and there Mm -hmm. over the years, but we're going to do a little bit of a a zoom in. Ooh, a deep dive. Maybe not. Um, A deep dive uh, sounds uh, like a 45 minute episode. It's a uh, (laughs) introduction. Short swim. (laughs) Just we're going to wade in the waters. Quick dip. There we go. There it is. Quick Quick dip. dip. (laughs) Just an introduction to this topic. And I would say we really started dipping our toes in the Mm. water, if you will, when we started teaching our kids in money class last summer. We began to discover more and more that the church had to say around this very topic. And it was so fun to learn about and so helpful as an adult who has engaged with work now for many years, mm-hmm. you know, and to actually give kids that platform to enter into work from the right mental space and vocation and um, calling, et cetera, and really go into it knowing the dignity that it has for them. Um, so, yeah, let's get ready for that little quick dip. Quick dip. Uh, let's maybe start with what work isn't. Mm. Some of the the ideas out there. I know, uh, right, growing up, I uh, got the, the idea that, right, you go to school, and then you got to go to work. You're on the conveyor belt. And then belt, you die. And then you work and you die. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. Or it's if you're more, lucky enough, at, like a you work and you save up money so that you can finally not work for a little bit. And then die. <laughs> it's somehow sandwiched in there between my carefree childhood and my death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's what's getting, what's, yeah, what's in the middle there. And I think some of this idea, um, I think, is a misunderstanding of work. But work as we know it now in a fallen world mm-hmm. does have some uh, sticking points. It does. Did you know, before we dive into this, Mm. that before the fall, when Adam and Eve were in the garden with God, this is before disobedience happened, before sin entered the world, Mm -hmm. they worked. Yeah. They had a job. It was caretakers of creation, as if that Mm -hmm. was some small thing. (laughs) (laughs) CEO of Earth. They had a job, and I'm sure it was deeply fulfilling and um, awe-inspiring and beautiful. But then we know what happened. There was disobedience. There was the entrance of sin into the world. And God began to extend out, you know, these curses or these logical consequences to that action. And one of them happened to do with work. Yes. So right after the fall, when... uh... You know, kind of the punishments are getting dealt out. Mm -hmm. Here's the consequences of what just happened. God says to Adam, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. 
thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, you are dust time, and to dust you shall return. All right, well, maybe work and then die wasn't uh, too far off. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like he's going to work until he dies. (laughs) Dust. Until dust you shall return. Okay, so there is an element of that, and that's, that's reality. So from that, we know that now work is going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost him something, and it might be toilsome. I think what's what's that's not the end of the story. Go good ahead. to keep in mind is, um, right before the fall here, like the right you said, their job was to till the earth and subdue it, mm-hmm. and it says you know God, he says like, hey, look at all these plants, man, go eat them. Right, right. They're just it's just right, literally ripe for the picking. Mm-hmm. And now mm. you've got to work and toil, right? Before it was just like, hey, do this. Now you're, he's toiling, he's sweating. All of this mm-hmm. is happening. Uh, so it's, and that's just to get enough. Just to scratch together to a scratched. meal. <laughs> yeah, to scratch by. <laughs> <laughs> right. Imagine how it was before. How incredible mm-hmm. that might have been. Mm-hmm. And similarly, when we look at uh, later, later, later on in history, right, when Jesus is speaking and he's talking about, um, you know, you, you shouldn't divorce and, and marriage and all this. And they're like, well, what about this thing with Moses? And he tells them, he goes, in the beginning, it, wasn't so. it was not so. And the mm-hmm. same thing with work and the way that we sometimes toil at work and the hard work that work can be. In the beginning, it was not so. Mm-hmm. Work was not designed to be this way. And so to find yep. a thoroughly Catholic approach to work is our best, our best attempt at getting as, cl- as close as we can back to what it was for, mm-hmm. to treat work the way it was created to be. Yes, to find the dignity in work. And we can do this now because we are on the other side of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus has come. He's, he's won. And so while it's not completely perfect here and now, we have those graces. And so we can begin this reparation, if you will. We can invite the, the power of the resurrection to come into our work and to transform in some ways that toil, that, that sweating of the brow. All of those things can be redeemed, can be um, something that brings us closer to God, something that sanctifies us now. Mm-hmm. They don't have to just be means by which we sweat it out until we die or you know, <laughs> toil for the next meal. These can actually be redemptive. Um, redemptive experiences in our life. And that's what we want to talk about today. Uh, I'm thinking of the Easter Vigil, mm-hmm. the Exaltet, which the deacon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if there is one, the very beginning, uh, sings when they bring in the, the Paschal candle. And he talk about that. say what I'm thinking? Say? Oh, necessary sin of Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... That's talking about like the redemption of mankind and the incarnation and all that. Mm-hmm. But I think you could also look at Oh Necessary Sin of Adam and apply it to the idea here of work. Mm-hmm. Because through work, like before it's like, yeah, you're just doing this, right? But with Jesus coming and through his redemptive work, well, now there's also an opportunity for us 
to enter into that redemptive work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. through our work. Yes. Can be even better. Amazing. Even, even Raised better. to an even higher level. Even better. Than in the beginning. All right. So we have four points that we are going to dive into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to acknowledge that, you know, nowadays, not a lot of work is getting glorified. We are coming mm. out of what we just have. We had the, the, the quiet quitting, the great resignation. I don't know. People just hating work. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's kind of become the MO of our day. The only type of work I think that gets glorified, you know, in social media or whatever is work that leaves you not doing any work. Those are the only types of work mm-hmm. that get hyped up or talked about or praised um, where like you were an influencer and you posted a picture and you made $50 million. Oh, I'm so smart. I worked mm, so hard. You mm. know, aren't I awesome in my work? The best work is no is work. Not, is no work. Yeah. <laughs> All these suckers. Not working is my work. These suckers who have work, actual jobs are, are losers. Yeah. I, I work by not working. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Santa, that's been hailed as like the the primo job of our day or work that rakes in a ton of money sure. so you can live this, you know, work hard, play harder mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or like have the lifestyle that you desire um, that that's still hailed. That's been hailed for a long time, but yeah, you know, still getting a little praise now or work that puts you in a place of power or status or some level of recognition, you know, whether you're running a company, you're, the president or nowadays you're just an influencer like you can rise to the tops mm-hmm. really quickly through that way so work that puts you in a place of power or status now i do want to say there's nothing wrong with passive income or having a high income job or being a leader Mm-mm. when these are the byproducts of pursuing god's will in your life but our culture puts these as the the pursuit in and of themselves at the expense of god's calling in our lives and that's the problem what might be some of the uh, added on, not consequences, but things that happen alongside have now become the goal. Yeah. Right. What, sure. you, what you, was extra thrown in with the goal is mm-hmm. now the goal. Yeah. Because even if you earned 100% passive income, you need to work for your own sanctification, vocation, and growth. If you don't need to work for money, as most people do, that's fine. But you need to discern the work that God's calling you to because it's there. Mm-hmm. He's going to call you to give your life away in some capacity, whether it's just simply serving or starting a ministry or getting involved, you know, in helping a volunteer organization, you know, get started or get off the ground. I don't know what it is, but it's something. Mm-hmm. Discipling people, leading Bible studies. I don't know, but he has work for you. There's not just anybody that's going to be called to just sit on their duff, duff. Yeah, sit on their duff and just take luxury flights around the world, seeing things and eating junk. Like that is just <laughs> when we make, you know, that life of luxury and leisure, our end goal, we end up losing. We lose ourselves in that. You know, I think you might be on the right track. There's this old Polish guy hmm. who might agree with you. Okay. Might have heard of him. Let's see. Who? Who? Who is it? Um, what's it? Paul? J- no, John. John Paul II. <laughs> That's right. Oh, him. That old guy. What do you say? He taught us um, in his encyclical on human work or laborum exertions. 
Work is a good thing for man, a good thing for his humanity, because through work, man not only transforms nature, adapting it to his own needs, but he also achieves fulfillment as a human being and indeed, Mm. in a sense, becomes more a human being. Mm. I like that. More you on the other side of an honest day's work. Look at that. What, however that looks. Whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. I think we've all experienced a little bit of that paradox, right? You go into a day and you're like, oh, this thing looks like a slog going into it. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm going to be giving and dying to myself left mm-hmm. and right. All these meetings, all these opportunities, all these. And then you come to the end of the day and you're just bursting alive. Mm. You're bursting at the seams with joy mm-hmm. at that awesome opportunity to serve others through whatever that work was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When a lot is asked of us, we find ourselves all the more. Mm -hmm. Even if it's staying home and running the home, Mm -hmm. you can absolutely have days like that. Even more. The most. (laughs) (laughs) That is the hardest work. (laughs) But let's get to this idea of, of participating in the redemption of mankind through our work. Let's do it. Even If it's at Burger King. Yep. The Catechism teaches us, paragraph 2427, if you'd like to play along at home. Human work proceeds directly from persons created in the image of God and called to prolong the work of creation by subduing the earth, both with and for another. Hence, work is a duty. If anyone will not work, let him not eat. Work honors the Creator's gifts and the talents received from Him. It can also be redemptive. By enduring the hardship of work in union with Jesus, the carpenter of Nazareth and the one crucified on Calvary, man collaborates in a certain fashion with the Son of God in his redemptive work. He shows himself to be a disciple of Christ by carrying the cross daily in the work he is called to accomplish. Work can be a means of sanctification and a way of animating earthly realities with the spirit of Christ. Mm. Beautiful. Crazy, right? Beautiful. (laughs) Just as you read it, um, some things that popped out. Jesus, the carpenter of Nazareth. Mm. He had a job. He had a job, man. Talk about, of all people who really didn't need to have a a job. job. (laughs) (laughs) Who just by his very existence on earth was a job <laughs> even he went though if you think and about honed it his skills and craft. he worked many multiples uh, of years mm-hmm. working as yeah. a carpenter than he did in his public ministry yeah how beautiful is that that's wild mm-hmm. incredible and then it talked about um, we're subduing the earth both with each other, but also for each other. Mm-hmm. So we're all connected too through our work. Yeah. Uh, in looking up a bunch of cyclicals and documents and catechism stuff, um, that we won't all get into here. What over and over and over again, diff- di- all different popes and everything have been talking about is work is focused on the person. Mm-hmm. The well-being of people comes first before 
prophets. Um, prophets, even though prophets are very important. Yes. As the, as the church teaches, um, like the well-being of persons there, even to the point it says, I don't know the part in the, the particular paragraph, but the catechism will talk about even just like just agreeing between worker and employer on a wage. That agreement does not necessarily mean it's just. Mm. It needs to actually support the person. Right. Um, yeah. And so it always comes back to like work. The The primary idea here for work is is the person, the human person um, and how important that is. So, yes, work is with and for one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's redemptive. We are participating in that sanctification of our own selves in a way of animating earthly realities with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. And that's any work that you're doing. You don't have to be standing up and being a Catholic speaker. Mm -hmm. or you don't have to be doing some sort of a religious job. Mm -mm. This is anything, any work. You're a stay-at-home mom. You are flipping furniture. You are working at the drive-thru. Mm -hmm. You're a librarian. It all counts. Yeah. Well, obviously, as long as it's moral work. Sure. Moral work, barring it's moral and ethical. Yes, yeah. obviously. <laughs> Hitman doesn't count. <laughs> no, no. It doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next and it, up. And this works, but what yes. counts is the work. Even if mm. it's not glamorous, even if you don't really like it. This, oh man, you're, you're, I don't know. This is, this sounds like heresy in our day, John. <laughs> this sounds like well, heresy. I'd rather be a heretic of the world than a heretic of the faith. So sure. I'll take it. But yeah, the second point we want to <laughs> highlight is that work is still redemptive and still and good. good, even if it's work we don't enjoy and we aren't passionate about. Mm -hmm. And why I'm calling John a heretic is, I mean, aren't we living in the world where it's just like, you know, do pursue your dreams, fulfill your passion, fulfill your higher calling. I'm not not saying that I, I would love to see people go for those things. Mm -hmm. Don't not go for those things because you're not, you're, you're failing to discern what God's will is in your life or you're scared. Mm -hmm. Hey, that's not what we're talking about. And similarly, like some workplaces put a lot of effort into making it enjoyable to be there, make it fun. They give you lunch, all this stuff. That's fine. Sure. sure it's sure. not required. Right. And it's okay if you don't work at one of those places. Right. Sometimes you're going to be in a season of life where you just got to get a J-O-B. You just got to work. To pay the bills mm -hmm. and feed your family. Yeah. And take care of those under your care and your charge. Yeah. That is beautiful. There is no shame in that. I, th I see people all the time. They've got their tail between their legs because they just patched something together mm -hmm. to make sure they could keep the roof over their head and food on the table. And they feel ashamed about that. That's no, no. Don't you dare feel ashamed about that. You should feel Be great proud about that and thankful and grateful. That's you are fulfilling to... part of what God has called you to by nature of giving you your vocation. Mm -hmm. Do not feel shame in that. I mean, what you're going to, you're going to feel ashamed finding a job to, like you said, provide food and shelter for your family. Would you rather them starve and be on the street? Right. Like maybe that would be something to maybe be ashamed about. But 
you went out and you did the thing. And it's I, I wrote in our notes a job in all capitals because I want, didn't want to forget to bring this up. But you'll hear this sometimes, especially in this world of passive income and all these things. You got to get out of that J-O-B. Mm-hmm. That W-2 that job. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with those. No, there is not. And by, by giving to, oh, it's a J-O-B and all this stuff. Those it's you're trying to turn this into you're taking these things and making it like a derogatory yeah. term. Mm-hmm. It's not a J O B. It's a job. It's work that needs to be done mm-hmm. with and for others. What there's nothing bad about that. And I think other generations understood this better. They were in a different time, different context. Let's go with the Greatest Generation, for instance. They came home from World War II. That was they, a job. Yeah. Yes. That. <sighs> they were dealing with a lot of things that we didn't know they were dealing with. Mm -hmm. So when I look back and think about their generation, I I really have more respect than ever. Talk about trauma. Um, Anyway, they came back and a lot of the the men, they got married, they got a job doing something Mm -hmm. and they stayed in those jobs for 30, 40 years until they retired and they raised a bunch of kids and maybe it wasn't this like life's work, but they provided for their families and they were stable and they helped the company grow and they made a community of people that worked there. Like there's something beautiful about that, mm-hmm. that their job was not. Sometimes your job does not have to be your life's purpose. Yeah. And it, I think most, what, I'd say most of the most time, people, I'd say almost always most it's people. not. Now, sometimes some people are going to be called to that. Maybe you feel called to be a neurosurgeon or whatever. And that, that's amazing. Go for it. You love it. Do it. Maybe you're called to be an entrepreneur. That's Jonathan and I's part of our, our vocation. We're going for it. We're not scared. We're, we're leaping into the unknown. And, but it's not because these things were more glamorous than a regular job. It's because God called us to it. Mm. You know, that's the reason to pursue something that is that you're passionate about. God's the one calling you towards it. And you're following him and his voice. And if he's not speaking anything specifically about how you're going to earn a living, then it's okay to just take something, take the opportunities in front of you. Mm -hmm. That's it. Don't make this harder than it needs to be or think that this is an identity issue. I like how you talked about, like, it doesn't have to be your life's work. I don't know if in unbelievably rare cases, I think your career would be your life's work. It probably shouldn't be. And I'm thinking- That's hailed as the- that's the, the thing, ultimate right? Thing nowadays. Your life's work is your family, or if you don't have a family, uh, like your contribution to the lives of other people. Exactly. Yes. I'm thinking about a Christmas Carol, of course. <laughs> um, Scrooge. I read all the time that book, and uh, right when when Marley's ghost visits Scrooge in the beginning, and he, you know he's like, you know, he's I'm in all these chains. Like you need to not. You need to live your life differently than I did. So you're not mm. in this same spot. And um, <clears throat> Scrooge says to Marley, uh, but you were always a good man of business, Jacob. Um, faltered Scrooge, who now began to apply this to himself. Business, cried the ghost, wringing his hands again. Mankind was my business. Mm. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Hmm. 
Whoa. Look at that. I, got, I just got goosebumps all over myself uh, thinking about this. Like, it is the, what we do from, right, maybe 40 hours a week, maybe more, is a drop in the ocean of what we are really called mm. to do, of, our, of our, the most important work that we have. Yep. Amen. Or I think we've all heard, I can't, my brain's lapsed right now. I've heard stories of saints who maybe wanted to join a religious order or go pursue a certain type of work. Mm -hmm. But then the circumstances of their life were such that like their siblings had passed away and their parents were sick and Mm. somebody needed to stay home. And so they chose to do that. That's God's will shifted and now invited them to let go of some of these other things Mm -hmm. and to enter into the present moment where his will now was. And sometimes that happens too. And that's okay. Yeah. In all of these things, we, we can have either this bitter um, anger of, I'm not getting what I want. And now you hate everything around you. I've been there. Or you can have this, God's allowing this circumstance right now. And his grace is here with me in this moment. And this is where I can be made holy. This is where I can be sanctified. This is where he is. And so I want this because this is what is the reality right now. Mm-hmm. And we can approach it like that and have it be profitable to us, or we can bunker down and get all bitter. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what our world does. You know, a woman has these passions um, to do X, Y, or Z, and then she has kids and it starts to limit her freedom. Uh oh. Now she is bitter and angry mm. that these children are preventing me from doing my life's work. Then that's how we start to see. We start to yeah. see everything in our, in our path now is the thing holding us back from this work when really they are the work. Yeah. So anyway, all right. I think we've beaten that horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the toe dip. Well, working, uh, what's great about work is it gives us an opportunity to step into that role of the, the reality of being made in the image and likeness of God. We become so. co-creators mm. when someone, right? Yeah, God made, you know, the trees, but it was the person who took those and turned it into a rocking chair mm. or into a house yeah. or whatever it is. We create new things, even if it's a, if it's, I must be hungry, even if it's a hamburger, um, (laughs) that's creating something Mm -hmm. and more, most of the time for the service of another. Yep. So you're kind of drawing on, you know, he is the ultimate creator. And Mm -hmm. when we work in some, some capacity, all work is a participation in this act of creation. Yeah. And that we are creative beings precisely because God is creative. Mm-hmm. And we express that m- oftentimes maybe most visibly in our work. Yeah, to think about, you know, he is, right, he, 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 you know, he said, hey, let there be this, let there be that. And then it was. Like, mm-hmm. creation is, he's that into creating things. He just has to, like, say it or think it, and there you go. And that's you on the job. And we get to get a piece of that Mm -hmm. when we make things Mm -hmm. we get to reflect that part of them yes that's great that's beautiful all right and let's kind of just end it Mm. on this last point this was interesting to me 
And well, we could dive in what? Think about all these things that we just talked about. Yeah. Are amazing. Yes. And very important for us. And so this last point that we want to draw out, and it's if you read different encyclicals, I mean, this just abounds off the pages. Over and over again. We have a right to work. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people will say, this is a human right. And they're talking about something that's not a right at all. <laughs> they're talking about it's not. We don't. There's certain things that are fundamental rights to every human person in every culture and society and time that they are in. Work is one of those. Work is one of those. That's how important it is. And the church has come out and said this in a variety of forms and fashions over mm -hmm. the years, speaking out against popular um, political movements or cultures where, you know, communist governments started to take over and suppress work, etc. The church is always there planting the flag saying, no, no, no. We have a right to work and nobody can take that away from you. Now, there are going to be people that can't work because they are disabled or they are elderly or this, that or, not, or their children. You know, that's just but if you want to work, you have a right to work. And the church protects that and will stand with you always in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, is beautiful. Over and over again, popes throughout the ages, all this, right? All people have the right to work to a chance to develop their qualities and their personalities in the exercise of their professions to the equitable remuneration which will enable them and their families to lead a worthy life on the material, social, cultural, and spiritual level. Mm. Over and over again, man. Uh, the obligation to earn one's bread by the sweat of one's brow also presumes the right to do so. Where all people have the right to economic initiative, to productive work, to just wages and benefits, etc. Yeah. It's part of what makes us us, right? Human. Work makes us more human. So it must be able to happen. It, it is a right. It has to be protected, just like our right to life. Mm -hmm. It's just as protected by the church. Yeah. That this is a right. This needs to be defined. And, uh, must be yeah established and protected and made i is probably as good as it could be right um to find ways right because this is something that we do to make us more us it should not be exploitive it should not be immoral immoral as you know do whatever some work is just really hard work but th steps should be taken to find ways so it's not so backbreaking Mm -hmm. um, or that the hours and the pay match our family's needs. Yeah, that we're, it's just. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we're not nuts. You know, you don't have to work 95 hours a week and never see your children in order to actually have a roof and food. Mm -hmm. That's unjust. So you need to find something else or the society needs to shift in order to make sure that that can be accommodated for. Yeah. In your particular family's needs. Mm -hmm. Not everybody should receive this is going to receive the same opportunities or should they? But work needs to support the reality of the human person that is working. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that's for societies to consider. That's for um, business owners to consider. There's loads uh, about that responsibility that business owners have to, mm -hmm. to discern that and to consider those those types of things. So 
the church is rich in, in what she has to offer us around this. And since this is just the toe dip, or what was it again? Quick dip. A quick dip. We're going to leave it there. Mm-hmm. But you can see that on this one topic, this one tiny topic, the dignity of work, there's so much. We could sit here for another week and keep going, unpacking the riches and the, the depths and, and, and the wisdom that the church has for us. And we're bringing up this topic because we're about to host our first ever Catholic Money Summit mm-hmm. in June. And we need a Catholic money summit because look on one teeny tiny topic, we've just explored and plumbed some of the most rich life transforming realities around our work that we have. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That the church has that, that type of wisdom to apply to literally every aspect of our finances and our money. And that's what we're going to explore in the Catholic money summit. It's going to be quite the event. We've got, uh, I think, over 36 guests, speakers coming on. We've got some you've maybe never heard of before, some that you will discover, and others you know quite well. We've got Jacob Imam. We've got Deacon Harold Burke Seavers. We've got Trent Horn, Alicia and Mike Hernan, Matt Lozano. We've got a lot of folks and a lot of topics we're really blowing the lid off this thing. So we're talking about investing in vocation and worldview and stewardship and finance and the Catholic economy, providence, prayer, all sorts of interesting topics. I mean, you never knew how much a Catholic worldview can change the way you look at money until you hear some of these talks. So you are going to love it. You've got to get your ticket now at CatholicMoneySummit.com. It's a free ticket. So why not sign up? CatholicMoneySummit.com. Check it out. I know you're going to be happy. And tell your friends, CatholicMoneySummit.com. We do have an all-access pass that gives you recordings, gives you a lot of extra bonuses, and all the funds for that go right directly towards our next adoption. So thank you very much for any upgrade that you do and for telling your friends. But again, the main event is free while it's happening. The Catholic Money Summit. It starts in June, but you should get your spot today at catholicmoneysummit.com. Thanks for listening to the show today. We're very happy uh, to be serving you in this way. We'd love a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Thank you for telling a friend about the show. God bless you, and until next time, bye for now. Thanks for joining us today. You can learn more about this show and the Wallowin program at wallowin.com. Music in this episode is from Dylan Gardner. Listen to his new album, Almost Real, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. See you next week. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.